Good time of the day, and welcome to another episode of And When I Say I Mean I Am Your Co-Host Adrian. And I'm your co-host Austin. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to another week. Austin, how's your week been? Uh it's been it's been good. Um I well, I've just been simulating things, but that that's kind of boring, but it gives me time to do other things. Mm-hmm. Um I learned that I was runner-up in a writing competition mm-hmm. that I entered in May. Uh, yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Oh, I was, shoot, I forgot to print that out. Anyway, um, so that was exciting. Found that out someday. I think Wednesday. Tuesday, maybe. It was know. Tuesday. Um. So that was good. What did I do this weekend? Oh my goodness! I, have, Amelia and I have made some excellent food. Yeah. This this, this week. What Saturday what have you made? Saturday we made, we made fake shawarma because real shawarma is like on a huge kebab and it's a huge, just shank of meat and you roast it for hours and hours. We did not do that. I don't know what shawarma is. Shawarma is. Are you familiar with the Avengers? Yes. So remember when Iron Man is lying on the ground after throwing that nuke into a wormhole? Yeah, I remember that. Wow, the Avengers was weirder than I remember. <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, do you guys have you guys ever heard of shawarma?" This doesn't help me understand what shawarma is. Shawarma is it's like a Middle Eastern street food that is usually some kind of meat that's been shawarmaed which is seasoned, put on a big kebab, and roasted for a long time, and then you cut it off in thin little strips. So it's kind of like a gyro? Yes. Yeah, kind of. Don't tell them that, though. Why is that? They don't want to be compared to the gyro? Or a a, a gyro, however you pronounce it? A a, (laughs) gyro? Yeah. Uh, Probably not, but I I don't really know. Mm -hmm. Um. It, and you wrap it in a, a pita. Um, so we made we made the marinade for the shawarma. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we marinated some chicken. And we broiled that. Um, didn't light it on fire. Nice. Very good. Uh, we, made, we made some pita. Um, and then we made some... Tzatziki sauce? Tzatziki? Yeah. Solid. Um, and uh, then ate it, and it was it was delicious. It was honestly one of the better things that has happened to chicken mm-hmm. that I've ever experienced. Nice. Um, there You also put, like, uh, cucumbers and tomato and pickles on it. That sounds amazing. It was very good. Um, and then we also – so I make a lot of biscuits, mm-hmm. um, like southern-style biscuits. Yeah. Um, and so this week we decided to be fancy and add Gouda, the cheese, mm-hmm. and uh, sage, which is a herb, yeah. to the to the biscuits. And that went spectacularly. 
they are delicious. It was a good decision. I still have decision. some left over. <sighs> Michael made that same exact <laughs> pun, and it's still awful. <laughs> yes, Michael. Um, but uh, it was delicious. Um, that I I has I have some left over still, and it is it's a challenge not to eat them all. That's fair. Um, I also launched a website. Yep. Um, on Saturday. Nice. So that was exciting. What is it about? Um, what is what does it contain? Tell us all about it. Okay. Um, it is. It's kind of like a companion to the recommendation section of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I have been, over the past several months, have been writing up longer forms of basically the the things that I recommend in the recommendation section. I write what I more of what I think, and um, yeah, and some not things that I've not. So it's like putting together my thoughts on things, basically, that I talk about on the podcast or that I read or visit or listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I have things about Chance the Rapper and um, The Last Unicorn, which is not at all like Ice Age. Uh, <laughs> Emma, um, the the National Gallery exhibit that I went to, mm-hmm. I wrote an article about how you anglicize Tolstoy's name. If you remember the long discussion I had about uh, the usage charts, it's it's all in that, that. article. Uh-huh. It's fun. It's in it's in the section. How could you be so chartless? Uh-huh. Uh huh. What was frustrating about that though? Why is um, that? I can have different sections of this blog, but mm-hmm. it limited the characters that I could have, so I had to smash all the the words That's together. That's a bummer. Yeah, I just wrote one about uh. Jean Valjean and the Hound, aka Sandor Clegane. Comparing um, and contrasting Jean Valjean and Sandor Clegane. Yes. Okay. Curious. Uh, yeah. So, um, check it out. It is at boundaryconditions.com. And when I say boundary conditions, I actually mean boundaryeffects.com. Is it all one word? It's all one word. Boundary. I'm gonna figure effect. out how to spell it because I have no idea how to spell boundary. That's and okay. It's been, it has been a challenge. I'll put a link to it in the description of this podcast. Okay. Um. And so B O U N D A R Y E F F E C T S dot com. Isn't it? Isn't there a dot Squarespace in there? No, I got a domain. Nice. Um, so, I hear that's good for my SOE. What's or SOE? S- SEO, that's what it is. That's search engine optimization. Nice. Um, so, you should be able to, if you want to, um, subscribe to an email list. I'm planning to get a Twitter and Instagram together for it by Sunday, probably. Um, and so... You can subscribe to them as well. Nice. I should do it by tomorrow when this podcast comes out. If you visit it and you can subscribe to the Instagram and Twitter, you'll know I'll have done those things. Um, 
and so that's that's how you can keep track of new articles as they come out. I have another how could you be so chartless coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm planning to write another article about the book I will recommend later. So solid. Look out for that. I will look out for that. If if no one else has fun, I have had a lot of fun. There you the, go. The the name how could you be so chartless <laughs> has <laughs> has justified this entire experience to me. So <laughs> that's totally fair. Totally fair. I still think that. No, I mean, this is good. This is a good step, but the How Can You Be So Chartless YouTube channel, which will come from this eventually, will be even better, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Because I want to see you just get animated about how all of the charts. It's mm-hmm. like, or like, you know that video, what was that video we watched in New York about falsetto in music? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This Ed. is what I imagine your okay. How Could You Be So Chartless, but with more of an Austin spin to it instead I really of Vox dub. or whoever it was. Yeah. So Vox has a series called Earworms. It's amazing. It's, uh-huh. it's all about musical trends. Yep. So that's what I'm envisioning. Okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. So, but this is what I have. Uh, this is some of the things I did this week. Solid. Um, I see it looks like you got a haircut. I did get a haircut. I did got that on Saturday. Saturday did some grocery shopping in the morning. Um, Becca and I decided that we're going to do our grocery shopping and meal prepping on Saturdays instead of Sundays so that our Sundays can just be watching football. So, um, yeah, got a haircut on Saturday. And we had our first youth group meeting of the semester. So nice. that was good. We had a lot of people show up. There was almost like 20 youth there, which is like a lot compared to our normal like 12. Um, so that was good. Um, what else happened? Sunday um, was mainly watching football. Uh, went to Becca's and did some work around her house. Um, but yeah, mainly just hanging out made dinner for my roommates because it's my turn this week and made a whole 30 compliant meal that they were like wow this is pretty good the only problem was i didn't quite i should have cooked the the sweet potatoes a little longer they were a little crunchy but mm. the the flavors were good nice yep and then what were we, were we gonna ask a question well, I was just going to – I was going to – for for flavors of things, uh-huh. I have really been into sage recently. Really? It's, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. That's That sounds great. I don't think I have any sage, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, you could find some. I could find some. Um, On Monday, I hung out with Becca, and we watched some Sense and Sensibility, the BBC version. Nice. Um, it, Which – is that's the old one? No, we watched the there's like a it's like a TV show or like extended drama. I don't know what you call it. It comes in episodes. How recent is it? Um 2008, I think. Something around that range. Um but yeah, I there seems to be a lots of characters being introduced and with no signs of stopping. Um but Maybe I just haven't watched it all. So basically, um, where this episode ended was with what's the middle daughter's name? Marianne. Um, yeah. She just like fell and hurt her ankle, and then 
um, the guy from Mamma Mia showed up. Who? It's not the guy. Actual guy from Mamma Mia is the same actor. He's <laughs> playing Mr. Willoughby. No, not that guy. The young guy. Her her boyfriend slash husband. I have no idea who the actor is. No, no, no. Well, he plays the main character in Mamma Mia's boyfriend or fiance or whatever whatever their relation is. Really? He doesn't show up a whole lot, but he plays Willoughby. I think his name is Willoughby because I remember from Mr. Willoughby's Christmas tree. He just mm-hmm. showed up. And so now they have to fight. He has to fight with um, General Cornwallis. What's his name? Uh, Colonel Brandon. Colonel Brandon for Marianne's Man. love. Willoughby is so dreamy, though. I mean, I don't. I mean, he just he just sweeps her off her feet. Literally, because she her ankle's broken. Um, I know. But like, Colonel Fubster doesn't even have a chance. Brandon. Colonel Brandon doesn't even have a chance because he's so old. Um, uh, that that means nothing. I know it doesn't. Um, he. I think he's. I mean, both of them are so charming. I'm just. It's just like wow. How could you find the more like, like. Colonel Brandon is just like old and soft spoken, but he's still very like charming. But whereas Willoughby is like young and spry and dreamy, but also extremely charming. So it's like, and then also the old, what was the other guy who first showed up and was with, I don't know. I'm rambling Um, on too much about this. (laughs) That terrible lady's brother who obviously was going to turn out to be amazing because she was so terrible. Um, he was also extremely charming. Anyways, watch that on Monday. Um, Tuesday. Oh, yeah, Tuesday. What did I do Tuesday? I don't know. I don't either. Oh, um, I remember what I did Tuesday. Guess Be- who, sorry, guess who plays Colonel Brandon in the old version? Severus Snape. Uh, you already knew the answer. Lame. I knew this one. Why is that lame? <laughs> It'd be more fun <laughs> if you had just found out. No, sorry, I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, Tuesday, Beck and I went over to our friends from church, their house, and we watched uh, Tall Girl, new to Netflix. Tall Girl. Uh-huh. It's a movie about being tall in high school. Mm-hmm. How was it? So, it was interesting. Um, it was an interesting perspective as I'm neither a tall, neither not that tall or a girl. But, um, yeah, I've never experienced okay. being tall in high school. I think I, if I was writing it, I would have made the ending different. Yeah, I think I, I, I would have ended it differently, but that's okay. Um, and mm. then... Yesterday we had community group, or that was Wednesday, which is good. And then now it's today, so it's been good. And, uh, yeah, pretty good week. Nice. So um, if you have – so I know you personally have not read, and probably no one listening to – in fact, I'm almost confident no one listening to – uh, this has read my article about the, except for Amelia, uh, the Paul Galgan exhibit. Um, okay. But if you had, this is kind of a, a preview of that. But I was at, so I was 
at the National Gallery mm-hmm. when I was planning to go Ike- to Ikea and uh, couldn't go to Ikea because it was Labor Day and so Ikea was closed. Uh, I instead ended up going to the National Gallery and going to an exhibit about this guy named Paul Gauguin. He is uh, a contemporary of Van Gogh and Cezanne. So if you're familiar with those styles, he kind of mm-hmm. looks like that. Okay. Um, he, like, he doesn't actually look like that, but that's what his paintings look like. Um, he has both of his ears. And so he does have both of his ears, yeah. Um, so what he – he was a painter, and I was looking at – The exhibit. Wow. I need to gather my thoughts. I was looking at the exhibit, and they have comments up, um, and a lot of the comments were talking about him as a European bringing his his uh, privilege as European to uh, the Pacific Isles, where he lived in exile for a while, painting the people living there. Mm-hmm. Um and so I was I was reminded of this again because I was reading because now the the world is my oyster, and uh, I can uh, go past any paywalls with impunity and with the pocket app just revel, yeah, with the pocket app and and I just revel in that existence. Mm-hmm. I was reading The Atlantic again, mm-hmm. and uh, I. Saw an article called like the limits of. It's not the limits of of privilege, but it's like when privilege is, uh, perverted or something, and so that reminded me of that because they were talking about uh, an article written by the Guardian, talking about David Cameron, the former Prime Minister of England, mm-hmm. and talking. They said that. David Cameron has experienced pain in his life, but it's been privileged pain. Um, talking about, oh, okay, so here the article is when privilege callouts turn callous. And so I, in in going to the, the gallery, I was frustrated with them talking about things in terms of privilege uh, because it seemed to, it seemed to not take the the artist Galgan seriously like it seemed as if they didn't believe um in his his own goal to be an outsider or his own perception of himself as an outsider and so that seemed it seemed weird to me because you have this exhibit about this guy but it doesn't seem like you take him seriously Okay, can you can you reiterate that again, just so I'm understanding? So, what I'm gonna tell you what I think you're saying. So sure. here we have an artist who traveled from Europe to the Pacific Islands, mm-hmm. and the exhibit is saying that he is like exploiting these people for his art or what I don't I'm not sure if I fully understand what you're saying kind of kind of um they're saying that he 
though he sees himself as an outsider, he can never really be an outsider because he's European. He says that, or this is what the the. This is what the exhibit says, and this is weird to me because the like the exhibit itself seems to be um, not taking him seriously. But that so more of what I, it got me thinking about is is what what's the purpose of of framing things in terms of privilege and i i don't think it's the most useful way to frame things what do you mean by frame things so if if we look at i like we're talking about art and so is it should we talk about his art in the context of his privilege as a European? What does that add or detract from the art? And not necessarily art. Like, what does framing anything in terms of privilege? And what is, what's the goal and how does that add or detract? Um, I don't know for sure. The first thing that comes to my head is like, by highlighting it, you are then like show like being able to show where it's not, I guess. So like, whereas he can have he has the opportunities to become an artist in Europe, the people that he is or like his um whatever you call it, like the people that he's painting don't have that same option or that same opportunity that he does and so by framing it in that way you're highlighting you're highlighting that aspect of it mm -hmm. is that kind of yeah. what you mean yeah and so is that is that like the purpose of what um galgan is trying to convey so to me i i was I I was frustrated by the framing of things in terms of privilege because to me it devalued um, kind of everyone involved. Um, so Galgan leaves his life in Europe to live in Tahiti. To me, because he sees something of value there that he doesn't have. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, I think that framing things in terms of privilege kind of orients us to saying that things that give us privilege, um, so money and power, basically money and power, are the most important things in the world. And I don't think that is a, that is a helpful framing if you actually want to change who has privilege and who does not so or who has who has money and power and who doesn't i don't think that i don't think that's the purpose or the point behind framing something in that way You're i don't saying, think that is the purpose either but i think that does so what so you're saying that by framing it in that context it is like it's it's not exposing where that privilege is and helping others who like ha allowing those who have that privilege to help those who don't or whatever 
It's instead saying, okay, if I want to make it somewhere, I have to get money and power. Yeah, yeah. I think the the intent is to reflect on, I, I would assume, the, the intent is to uh, reflect upon your own privilege and then be humble about it. But I don't, I don't think that's how it like plays out practically. I think more often it affirms power as power and wealth as like the be all and end all. How how does it do that? So by saying people with privilege um, are inherently in this kind of better position. So privilege, it doesn't always necessarily mean better or worse, but it it usually it, it's implied that more privilege is better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what gives you the privilege is essentially money and political power. And to so, some extent, I don't think that's what only gives you privilege, but I think it. What else? I think just like the way you were born, right? Like don't, I think that there's privilege in just like if you're a man or if you're white, which is different Um, than money and power. I mean, those like political power is kind of tied up in your gender and race. I suppose so. I feel like there's different though. At least enough to distinguish them. Maybe. But I I will say when you said political power, I would not think of gender and race. Oh. Why? Because you didn't say that, you said political power. Yeah. But those like political power is is correlated with your your gender and race. If anything, like the privilege of gender and race came before political power. I disagree. Okay. May maybe gen no, but that's still that's still political power. I don't maybe I don't understand what you're saying about political power. What are you, you saying mean, about what political power? What you mean power? by that? I'm just thinking of you're in politics and you have power in politics. That could be anything. That's correlated with gender and race. How? Like, if you look at the house, it's overrepresentative of men and white people. Right, but I'm just saying, like, before government existed, I would say there is still that, like, privilege, right? Like, that privilege still existed. Uh, like, in a state of nature... Yeah. I mean, I don't know that for that, certain. I mean, that's just like physical strength then, which is still power. Okay. Well, I think it's a, it's a worthwhile distinction. But anyway, I think Because by... I don't I, because like even like just individuals walking down the street, I don't necessarily have political power. But I still am sure a, you do. A, but I'm still a white man. How do I have any more political power than any like anyone else? 
um, you can vote. Most people can't. Okay, not most, most people, people in this country. Yeah, but at, on like a global scale. Uh, okay. Most people can't vote in free and fair elections. Okay. I I'm thinking pretty. I'm thinking much smaller than you. Apparently, I'm thinking about like my town, my state, my country. I I yeah, and I would say that the the privilege that your gender and race has comes from political power, like. In, in like the, like ten hundred, mm-hmm. who like, it it doesn't make sense to say that, um, like Chinese people have less privilege than European people, like that, that doesn't make sense as a statement, but because, like, Europe became a colonial power, they then had political power, and so that political power leads to the privilege. Of Europeanness. Okay, but we no longer are like in colonial times. Yeah, but I mean, there's still that the vestiges of it, if sure. not the like direct effects. Regardless, I think it's more helpful to th- not think about political power and more think about race and gender. No, I disagree because that that makes it that makes it like a essentialist thing what do you mean like because you are white doesn't mean that you inherently have more privilege out of your like dna it it's because of the the history that has shaped europeans as the like historically powerful i'm not disagreeing that what you're saying might be true i'm saying it's more helpful to think about it this way than political power when you say political power, that means nothing to me. That makes me feel like I have some like power to move the government or make laws or something outside of voting, which doesn't give me any more privilege than my neighbor. Mm, I uh, I don't know that that makes it such a that makes it such it it feels like a more like natural. You're like asserting that different races inherently have different privileges, but that's. I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. That's, that's not, what it seems like. Though. I'm not disagreeing with the way that it has manifest itself. Right. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying if I'm trying to think about okay, what what is like privilege? Like, if you told me that I have, like, if I have privilege only because I have money and po- political power, I'm gonna say no. I don't have any money. I have student loans, and money I have and no. Power. I have no political power because i can just vote but i would disagree with that because i do have privilege not because of the amount of money i have or i mean i have still have more money than lots of people on the world scale but but yeah i'd say you're you're thinking of wealth and political power wrong or you're thinking to world scale and i don't think that that's necessarily helpful i don't like i'm not how does that help us like actually pull something practical like i understand like it's important to think about it on a world scale Mm -hmm. but like thinking about political power and wealth how does that that doesn't actually like yes i understand i am privileged in the world scheme because of those things maybe but like is that some are you talking about that privilege as opposed to like just like social economical privilege in 
America because that's what I think of. That's what I'm thinking. The 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 socioeconomical privilege in America comes from wealth and power. Again, because that's I, that's what I, that's what privilege. That's how privilege is defined. But but what I'm saying is. I don't really care about how it started. I understand that. I'm not disagreeing with you. But how it manifests itself is what I think is more important. No, I I still disagree because by by defining privilege on the axis of like gender and race and religion makes it some essential thing to those genders, races and religion and it's not. I like, agree. I'm not saying it is. But that's what it, that's what it seems like you're doing by saying it's about race and gender. No, what I'm saying, why I'm saying that is because that's easier. That's more tangible to understand yeah. than just saying money, power, political power. That's not but tangible it, at all. And so, like, my, my point is, is are the things that are tangible and easy to understand a good way to frame things? Because I don't I, – I think privilege is a – can be a negative way to talk about things because it asserts the spectrum of good to bad with wealth and power being good. And so if wealth and power are good, why would why would you give them up? I don't like I don't think it's useful to to talk about privilege because it enshrines wealth and power as our greatest values. And so if you're trying to get people to care about those without privilege, why would you, why would you do so in a way that kind of says wealth and power are the greatest things that you can aspire to? Does that because make any I, sense? I think so. But I don't think that by framing things within that context, you're saying those things are the best. You're saying, okay, be aware that you have this privilege. And then the proper response is then how can you like use that to help – help change things right like things so why aren't going is to that change. the proper response what i agree that that's the proper response but i i don't think that comes across well because people are selfish people don't want to give up their money and power you, you have to actually be like convicted that you're wrong and that the most important thing isn't money and power and if you're not convinced that the most important thing isn't money and power then you're just going to continue to just it, it heighten your privilege it just make that gap larger right yeah and so that's that's why i i don't i don't know if it's is it useful to talk about things in terms of privilege because that makes wealth and power such a a good thing or well, like a not a good thing but an aspirational thing and this this is why I think that it's important to not make it about wealth and political power because that's not tangible. Like I, I can, a person can convince themselves, right? That privilege isn't even a thing. If you, if they're saying, okay, yeah, if it's just about political power and wealth, then it's like, okay, yes, let's continue to live. Like just, they just need to work hard and, um, they need to vote, right? It's easy to convince yourself to just say that's fine and you'll get rid of privilege, but that's not the case, right? If privilege is tied to, if it is because of these things, it then is now tied to like race and gender. Like 
it's a lot easier to say, oh, yeah, I'm not wealthy and I have no political power than it is to say that I'm not white and a man. Yeah, I guess. But you're you're like you're often wrong, though, if like that, it's just that's not understanding like how political power and wealth are. Okay, that's great. I I'm saying that that's the problem. I'm not saying that you're not right. Yeah, I don't know. I I still think that 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 essentializes things too much. Okay, well then what should we do? You tell me. So I think that what we should do is is not not shift say that people have like be be clear about like what people don't have, which is wealth and power. But don't don't refer to those things as privilege because that puts them on a like a moral scale. And okay. because I I don't think that we should inherently value wealth and power as moral good. Mm-hmm. And so it I think it it would be better to frame things as like what what do we actually consider valuable in humanity, and let's appreciate that in people and then so what i what i what i think the museum doesn't appreciate about galgan is galgan gave up his life in europe to live in poverty essentially among these people in the pacific island because he saw in them something more valuable than the life that he had in europe mm-hmm. and so to me if you if you talk about this in terms of privilege you can you can only read that as Galgan is there to exploit the people that's living there and so i i think that that depreciates Galgan as an artist someone who can appreciate the value in other people and it depreciates the 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 people in the pacific islands who Galgan sees in them Something of immense value, and so I, I, I think it is. We need to say what our values are, and emphasize maximizing those values. If it is power and wealth, then be clear about that. And, and that's your, you know, if power and wealth are the goal, you will always have inequality. Uh, but if, if like humanity, is the goal, then it it doesn't matter. Like wealth and power don't matter as much, and so it's not, it's not a, a, a you know, it's not a detriment to give up your power and wealth, if those aren't the goal. Okay, I see what you're saying, and I think that is fair. I think it's fair to say, like, okay, even, like, so so kind of what you're saying is, or maybe not, is, like, the the museum is trying to make awareness of this inequality in wealth and power. Mm-hmm. But by doing so, it doesn't show how the artist chose to use their wealth and power to care about something more than that and just mm-hmm. find the the beauty in the humanity of these people or whatever. Right. 
Right. Like, I think that's fair. But I th- yeah, the problem is is that. So so then what you're saying is a call to the people who are trying to be advocates, which is what you're saying this museum is doing, to not yeah. use this basis as a as the way that you go about this discussion because mm-hmm. you're still you're still saying you're highlighting the wrong things. You're you're right. you're still raising the wrong things. You're not raising the value of humanity, you're raising the value of uh money and wealth power and yeah. wealth. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's fair. I think the the reason I think the difficulty is is that just humans for all time have just loved power and wealth. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- and that makes it difficult. And maybe that, Yeah, that is a challenge. And like so there you have the challenge of of saying like the people who don't who who do value that the most because there are people in history and today mm-hmm. who do value those things more than humanity in general and so yep. you're going to ha- you have to fight against those people to change that thought but then you also have to change but but i i think maybe the reason why it's framed in that is because you're trying to attack like not attack you're trying to convince the people who have that how have wealth and power to to see what it does i guess i don't know right right i i i i would say the purpose is to make people aware of the advantages that relative wealth and relative political power gives you mm-hmm. but i think we often do that in a way that enshrines um wealth and political power so I I think it's really interesting. Have you listened to 444 by Jay-Z? No, I don't think so. So 444 is I think it's Jay-Z's latest album. Um he has a story and when I say that, of course, I mean a um I don't remember what Oh, no, no, no. It's off uh I think it's off Everything is Love. By the Carters. Okay. And the song is about it's it's just about building wealth. Okay. Um, and things that you need to do to build wealth. Jay Z talks about buying a painting. Uh, for like a million dollars, and then reselling it for two million dollars or something. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, if if privilege is just about the the wealth and power, then what Jay-Z and Beyonce should be doing is building wealth and power. But I, I think that, like, I think you can appreciate, like, you should appreciate the art for the art and not because they have wealth and power. Though that is the way it often works. And so, I don't know where I'm going with this sentence, but... I think it's 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 valuable to to reframe things mm-hmm. and say n- because I I don't, privilege so often talks about what people lack mm-hmm. and what strikes me talking to to people from 
like there's a lot of Nigerian students here at Clarkson. Mm-hmm. And so Nigeria is, is better off than I think most of us imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's still a lot of like violent conflict all the time in Nigeria um, and relative poverty. Uh, but uh, what they they always say that they they think America is like terrible because no one talks to each other. Uh, no one knows who their neighbors are. They were telling me that they would like come back from the market and mm-hmm. just give gifts to their neighbors that are around. And I'm like, I would never do that. I don't know who my neighbors are. And so that is something that they have that I think is far more valuable than whatever wealth and and power we have here. Mm-hmm. Granted, I might be saying that from my position of wealth and power and haven't had to deal with the struggles uh, that people without it have. Right. But I, I, I think regardless of that, we should all be able to affirm that like shared community and like living your life in community and love with other people is more valuable than our wealth and power. And so if, if we... If we frame things in that way, it's it makes it easier to say, "Oh, I'm going to give up my wealth to help these people because they're great. Mm-hmm. I want to help them live as easily as I do." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, yeah, I think that is a a good reframing of it because I do think sometimes we do get trapped within the frame of, of things, whatever that it could be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get discouraged because I am slightly discouraged because I, I am not convinced that people always do value their neighbors. Right, more but, of their own wealth, and and so if if people don't value their neighbors, like they're not going to give up their privilege anyway. So we might as well we might as well start by focusing on valuing your neighbor. Yeah, but I guess like how do we? Yeah, if it, like if you don't value your neighbor, giving up wealth and power doesn't make any sense. Right. And so you're not going to – the goal – right, the goal is for people to love their neighbors, presumably. And so you're not going to achieve that by, like, redistributing wealth and things won't achieve that okay. in and of itself. Right. Because loving your neighbor goes beyond just sh- signing a blank check. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then the hope would be that by out loving of, my neighbor, right, out of real love, my you, neighbor who you, doesn't love their neighbors sees that there is more value in loving their neighbor than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have some work to do. <laughs> well, I mean, everyone does. So right, I know. But I don't want to come like come off as if I'm saying all this as if I know what I'm doing and have it all figured out. 
Mm. Because I yeah, also don't I mean, know my neighbor. like we all we all do a poor job of that, which is why, like, inequality and injustice exists. Right, but even, even I don't, I don't see my, may, and maybe I am have rose-colored glasses on, but I don't see myself as someone who propagates and continues the spread of injustice and inequality, which maybe nobody does. I don't know. But I I would guess no one does. Right, probably. But I'm also not taking as many steps as I could to ensure that I'm not propagating and extending. Right. Right, like it's it's not enough to like not commit atrocities. Like it's not it, right. It's not the silver rule. It's not uh, don't do to other people what you wouldn't want done. It's right. the golden rule: do to others what you would want done to yourself. Right. Yeah, it actually reminds me. And then, kind of this con- part of the conversation reminds me of the sermon on Sunday that our pastor was saying. It was about how talking about Nehemiah and how he was like how he was just overwhelmed by the fact that Jerusalem was still, you know, destroyed basically. And mm-hmm. that led him then to action out of out of like prayer and and listening to God. It led him to then to action, not just sitting there thinking, "Oh, how terrible this is." And not further adding to the destruction of Jerusalem, but then went out and did something about it. Mhm. So that's just, I, yeah, like, I think that talking about privilege is a, is a limited goal because it, I think it seeks limited things. Okay. Which is like equality of, of political power and wealth. And so like. If everyone is still looking to looking for their own best interests, even if wealth and power are evenly distributed, it's just gonna get undistributed again, and then you you just get repeated cycles of of people exploiting, getting more power, and then accruing as much wealth and power for themselves, and that you know inevitably leads to people not having wealth and power. And so right. I I think we need to reframe what we we value and what we want out of life as humans which is which is much harder to do. As you said, it is more practical to do other things and like wealth and power are much more measurable mm-hmm. than love for your neighbor and it's easier, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's easy yeah. for me. To, it's easy for me to say, "Oh yeah, I love my neighbor," and mm-hmm. in the sense of just like, I mean, e- easy. I mean, again, this that probably shows my privilege and wealth and power. But but it's easier for me to say it. It costs less to me, personally, in general, to give money than to give time. Mm-hmm. Time is is probably more valuable than money. And to act to just genuinely care and love someone also takes it doesn't take anything from you i guess but like it's effort Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah. But any um, final thoughts or recommendations? I don't think so. I don't think I have any final thoughts. But I I am challenged. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a good challenge to think about it. Yeah, think about it as in a value system. And maybe people do that already. Maybe I'm Which just poor at that. I I am I am increasingly enamored with the Yang campaign. This is this is a weird tangent. Okay. But I I really like how he talks about universal basic income not just as like you give people money, but changing the way that you think about uh what labor is valued. Mhm. Um because I I think that's important to have because I I yeah I don't know I I don't really have a job uh, but the more that I work I'm like the the way we think about labor seems unhealthy mm -hmm. um, so I'm I'm all for people saying we need to step back and look at what we actually value I don't know that seems to be like a recent development in the Yang campaign. Um, but I'm all for it. <laughs> okay, sounds good. But yeah, I think I think in I think like probably that question is is a good question to have both in like the macro and the micro. Yeah. Like not only yeah. like what do yeah. I what do I value on a large scale, like talking about wealth and power versus humanity or whatever. Yeah. But also like what do I value on a small scale, like mm -hmm. my things that like maybe more tangibly affect my day to day um, as again. So if those, those are some challenges for myself mm -hmm. and for anyone else who wants to take them. And yeah, at thinking about what you value in your own life is, is also challenging. Mm -hmm. And then if you decide, do you know what you value changing your life to center around those things? Yeah. And I, I think that sometimes those are scary things to do. At least I think I'm sometimes yeah. scared of that to reflect on what are the things that I value because I'm afraid to a, like find out the things that I actually value don't line up with the things that I think I value. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that, I don't know for as scary as that might be, it's like probably really important. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, anyways, I should probably think reflect on that this week, and would recommend anyone else. But I don't know if I can make a recommendation and not follow through. So I should I should do that. That's. Um, <laughs> I mean, you can recommend whatever you want. I know, I know. Um, but the recommendation has less weight if you don't also, like, if I recommend something that I haven't read. Like, what kind of weight does that actually have? Mm, that's fair. That's fair. Um. Okay, so other recommendations. So I I did watch Tall Girl. I thought it was funny in some points. I thought it was okay. Um, I'm sure if you're tall, you can relate to that. One of my friends on Facebook is, Facebook is a tall woman, and she was watched it and like had just was like, this is so good. So I'm sure it's great for that. Um, is I I give it a solid okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> glowing i know i'm sorry i'm just being honest you can watch it if you want i don't think you'll regret it i would watch it with okay. other people don't watch it by yourself y you cool. need to watch it with other people so you can like you know just have some like conversation and make fun of things not make mm -hmm. fun of things but like you know 
mm-hmm, mm-hmm. make it a lighter atmosphere. Um, I also listened to the Lumineers' new album. I don't nice. know what it's called. I I I or three. It's, or... it's three. Okay. Um, they have that other song that they say I I I in, and so I was wondering if that was you know parallel. Just um, like Family Force Five. I know. I did think about that. Um, so I've listened to it only once. Um, but I feel like I, I don't know. The Lumineers are an interesting group to me in that, like, I really like their first album. And then their second album came out, which was, like, maybe arguably better than their first album. But I think I liked it less. Mm-hmm. And now I think that I, I've liked this one so far. I'm not 100% sure, but it feels like there's a story going on. There's, like, music videos that go, that are, like, telling a story with the songs as well. Um. So, so I'm interested I, to look into that more. Go there ahead. is a story going on. I heard about it uh, listening to NPR because my radio works occasionally now. Nice. Um, and so it is a multi-generational story about the toll addiction takes on a family. Nice. So, yeah, I'm excited to listen to it again and maybe even watch the videos and just see it through that um, mm. that lens. But I would recommend that. It, it was so far; it's been more than pretty okay. So, thumbs up there. More than pretty okay. Nice. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, so I did finish a book this week. Uh, it is called "Children of the Ghetto." My name is Adam by Elias Hori. I don't know how to say his last name, but it's uh, it's spelled K H O U R Y. So I, um. I was preaching this somewhere, and people were generous enough to pay me for it. Um, and so with that, I joined the membership club for uh, this publisher called Archipelago Books. Mm-hmm. They uh, publish translated literature. They translate and publish literature. Uh, so that's very exciting. They send me books now in the mail um, nice. about once a month. And so this was translated from arabic it's about the um the silence of the palestinians in the face of the hardships they face imposed by the creation of the jewish state mm-hmm. um it's really interesting uh it i so i did not expect it to be a part of the micro genre crazy men writing in journals Mm-hmm. It is though, and so that was very exciting. It is, it's, it is devastating. So if you don't want to read a devastating book, don't read this. Okay. But if it is very good, it's, it's very experimental in its structure. Um, I like that a lot, and it's, uh-huh. it really, it explores a lot of religious imagery and themes because it takes place in Palestine. Um. That's kind of unavoidable. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I'm I'm still I'm still trying to kind of process what I think of it. So look for a, a forthcoming article. I have a plan for a forthcoming article uh-huh. um about this book. I gotta work out my thoughts though. So Fair. Um It's it's good but devastating. Okay. Uh which is so it's it's devastating and full of religious symbolism. So obviously I I like it a lot. Mhm. Totally fair. Yeah. 
Um, and so I also, speaking of things that are devastating and full of religious imagery, I watched the musical adaptation. I watched the movie of the musical adaptation of Les Mis. Okay. Uh, the one with Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway. Yep. Have you never and seen it before? I had never seen it before. And the the person from uh, Mamma Mia. <laughs> Speaking of Mamma Mia people. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Amanda Siegfried. Russell Crowe is also in it. Russell Crowe is in it. Um, Eddie Redmayne. Anyway, it mm-hmm. it was good. It was better than I thought it was going to be, honestly. Okay. Um, I think the I really wanted it to be more about uh, Jean Valjean and Javert because I think they are absolutely fascinating, and, uh-huh. and their their interaction. I I think they show they demonstrate really well what it means to live after grace, and yeah. so like after after Jean Valjean's salvation basically mm-hmm. he he still struggles to live the life of a righteous man uh-huh. um and that the life he lives has a a profound impact on the the people around him even though he makes mistakes even though he fails he still um is is sanctified throughout his life um and javert is like I think he paints a really interesting picture of like hell, uh-huh. um, which is it. Yeah, it it was it's good. Um, so if you can see it with people who can sing, uh, that would be good. <laughs> uh, Russell Crowe is not a great singer. No, Hugh Jackman is better, but not, it's still not Russell Crowe. No, it's it's frustrating. It's like. I know that these people are handsome and like bankable movie stars, mm-hmm. like um, Pierce Brosnan is in Mamma Mia. Yeah, but it's, it's a musical. First and foremost, stop hiring these people who can't sing. Fair. Like, I mean, what's Anne, even Anne Hathaway sings great. Uh, um, Amanda Siegfried sings great yeah. in this musical. Um, I mean, what what the the other issue is is that they are doing it all live as opposed to recorded. But still, even if like Russell Crowe was in a booth, it wouldn't have sounded good. I mean, that's fair. Um, but anyway, uh, that was also good. And I wrote an article comparing Jean Valjean and Sandra Clegane. Yeah, so I'm you, interested in that. You can check that out at uh, BoundaryEffects.com. Yep. There you go. A little extra recommendation for that too. Mm-hmm. And uh again, I'll put the uh a link to it in the the doobly do. All right. Uh cool. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us. Hope yep. you all have a wonderful week and reevaluate your lives. Or <laughs> not yeah, reevaluate. That doesn't mean you necessarily have to change things, but right. I if, think I think we should always be reevaluating our lives. Right, but if you more specifically think about the things that you value, both mm-hmm. the macro and the micro. All right. Yeah. Enjoy that. Hopefully it's not too terrible, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.